Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and it is this beautiful day that the Lord has made, and I am looking forward to spending it with you. And I hope uh, you've had a good day so far. And if you are driving home from work and you're thinking about what you have uh, ahead of you tonight, I'm praying for you because we all have things that we're working with and working through, and God is so good all the time. I think of that day he hung on the cross. There was never a day he was more good than that day for us. And we love him, and we should all be amazed uh, by the humanity of Jesus Matters, which was actually the name of a book written by my guest Richard Barr, who's sitting with me in the studio. And he has got quite a story himself and has quite a ministry. And today we're going to talk about how ministry can often be inconvenient Yes, you heard me right. Inconvenient. So a lot to talk about. Richard, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Bill. Appreciate you know, it. Yeah, thank you. Now, my uh, everyone who's listening wants to know who that who is Richard Barr. <sighs> give me give me some info. Well, where do we start? So well, I'm curious. You know, you've got an incredible story of where the Lord took you, and you had not surrendered, and then you finally did, and it changed everything. I do have a story of recovery. I, I know. Right. Yeah. We've talked about that before on the programs, but, um, so I, 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 I struggled with, uh, with drug and alcohol addiction as a teen. I, um, entered a treatment center and was part of a recovery program, which at the time saved my life. Mm-hmm. What didn't occur at that time was a complete surrender of my life. And because of that, I was, uh, taken in by, by another, Addiction, which is what really brought me to my knees. And so that second kind of go around mm-hmm. with addiction is what, uh, and breakup of a marriage, sadly, on my part. And a couple of children were involved and a lot of material things. Sure. Um, is really what brought me to my knees back. I guess that would be, that was in mid 90s, so 2000. So even after, even after that, even after. Uh, being beaten down, and it's so it's so strange how we can do that. I mean, uh, the denial that goes on when, um, even for a few years after that, I was con- I continued to be in denial that it really wasn't a, it wasn't me, and it really wasn't the addictions that I was suffering from. It was really external things, and um, I had and God gave me an awakening one night in uh, February two thousand, and I still remembered in the living room, hit my knees in front of that love seat about 2.15 in the morning, just saying, God, if you'll have me the way that I am, mm. uh, I'll do the very best that I can to try to give you my life and serve you the rest of my life. And so that's where this part of the story really began. Mm-hmm. And your service going forward has been amazing. It is, you know, you're already wincing because you're playing the, the humble card, which I get, because that I think is your servant's heart. But what you have done and what you continue to do is really inspirational to me. I mean, just for example, you were on the show about four years ago, and you do a lot of work with people who are homeless. Like you feed them every morning at 4.30 in the morning. Like this morning. Like this morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is technically nap time, isn't it? Uh, it is. I should be napping at this moment. <laughs> yeah. 
And there was a gentleman who was living in his car, homeless, listening to this show. And we were taking questions, and, and he asked you a question. He happened to live in the same area that you live in, and in his car, basically in the Twin Cities area. And you said, well, let me meet with you. And a couple of weeks later, you had dinner with him. We did. Yeah. And you, you're still in touch with him. I am still in touch with him, and I continue to, to lift him up in prayer. His name is Nicholas. Nicholas, mm-hmm. you know who you are. If you happen to be listening again, I'd love to hear from you. We haven't emailed here for several months now. Yeah. And I, and so, Bill, this is this is the very real part about ministry, and particularly when you're dealing with people that are living on the margins, is that uh, it's long, hard relational work, and, and sometimes— you know, we have these storybook endings that we hope will happen. And so I still believe that God's got a great story he's going to write with my friend Nicholas. I just, I haven't seen that he's lived into that right. yet. But right. uh, but I love the man and and uh, we email and we talk from yeah. time to time. And um, uh, yeah, so I mean, that was thanks to you and this program for making that connection. Well, Richard Barr is my guest. He spells his last name B-A-H-R. You can learn more about him at richardbarr.com authored a couple of books, and we're going to talk about his amazing ministry and his life as well, because it's a real inspiration to me. And he uh, is a a prayer person. He's a person of prayer. He knows that when he prays, God listens. And I just want to remind all of you, that is how our God works. He is a a God that listens. So please pray and do it all the time, like Richard, because God listens and answers prayers. So, all right. Now, we were talking this morning on our staff meeting and there was an, an opportunity that one of the people on the Faith Radio team had an encounter with a person who was living in her car, and then she lost her car, so she had no way to get to work. So she was, I think, couch surfing and no car and had to commute to get to her job, and she would do it by Uber. All right? Mm-hmm. So you're not getting paid a lot of money to start with, and you're getting a lot of those expenses eaten up going on Uber. So... Anyway, she reached out because she knew of this person through her daughter and said, hey, how about I be one of your free rides one night? So she picked her up at midnight when she got off work and drove her to the place that she was staying. And I thought, that's not convenient. Talk about how ministry is often not convenient. Inconvenient, perhaps, would be the word, right? Inconvenient. can be inconvenient. What did I say? You said how it cannot be convenient. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, good grammar. I just, though. I just, yeah, I just thought I would consolidate I went to that into school. fewer words. Yeah, I yeah. get it. I appreciate right. that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, inconvenient is the same thing. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Um. So I, I have themes for my year sometimes. I don't have one for this year, but I've done this in the past. And my the theme for my year in 2016 was to be inconvenienced. And uh, some of you are probably smiling or laughing. If you've been living a life of faith for some time, you know that that's a, a dangerous and, a, and a, actually maybe a somewhat foolish prayer <laughs> to pray. But the reason that I prayed for that for myself was that, and there's another story back in 2005, how God had uh, really transformed my financial life and the way that I look at money, uh, my wife and I, and uh, how we how we give and how we use money. But my calendar is something I probably hold even more captive than I do my wallet. So I thought the opposite of that was be would be to be inconvenient. So I really wanted God to work on my schedule. And three weeks into that prayer, it was in the third week of January, and I was 
serving downtown like I do the breakfast ministry in, in downtown Minneapolis is where uh, near where I live. And there was a panhandler across like four lanes of traffic as I'm leaving the city. And I'm in the right lane. He's on the right uh, sidewalk or left sidewalk. And I, I had this thought like, oh, it's too bad I'm not over there because I carry things with me in my car that I can give to the panhandlers. And I instantly thought, I... I have to. I have to stop. I have to. It's not a good enough reason for me to be in the wrong lane <laughs> to not stop mm-hmm. to bless this man. And all it required was me to be inconvenienced. And that word occurred to me, and I'm like, oh my goodness. So I took a right turn. Uh, truth be told, I drove up a wrong way on a one-way street. Parked, turned, spun around, parked my car, trudged through the snow, and I go and greet this fellow. And right there, as I'm then driving to my office after that. I thought that's this is it. This is it that I'm going to spend the rest of my year attempting to 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 stop at an encounter and have a conversation with every single panhandler I see. And this was no easy thing because at that time I did an awful lot of traveling for my business. So I mean I was traveling all over the world and so I I met panhandlers in 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 Europe and I met panhandlers all over the continental United States. Um I don't remember if I was in Asia that year or not, but uh and I was probably, to be fair, probably 98 or so percent. I didn't catch every single one, but mm-hmm. having that thought, that governing thought, really did change my behaviors that year. So you just had that word inconvenience in your brain. And whenever you would have an encounter with a person panhandling, that word would surface and you'd go, oop, there's my my word that I have to pay attention to. Does that sound obsessive, Bill? Uh, no, it, it sounds <laughs> it, it sounds kind of loving. Because you're you're sort of aligning yourself with uh, an idea that you say I want to commit to this, and there's that word that says, "Richard, go go help, jump into action." The pinnacle moment for me <clears throat> was I was uh, that fall. It was probably September. I was in Tampa, Florida, uh, on business, working, had a rental car, and sure enough, there was another panhandler several lanes across. I see this dude. And I'm like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. And so I thought, I'm doing it. I'm do- I'm going to stop. But I didn't have I didn't have any cash. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any socks. I didn't yeah. have any I had, I had nothing to give this guy. Yeah. And so I turned right and I parked and I kind of hustled back. <clears throat> and I told this guy, I said, hey, look, I'm I'm from Minneapolis and I work in homeless ministry and. Uh, I've been trying to meet every panhandler I possibly could this year and to bless them. And I said, I just wanted to stop and apologize to you that I don't, I have nothing. I can't give you anything. I don't have any cash. But I said, I just wanted you to know, I, I just hope that, that you get your needs met, whatever it is that, that you want today. And this guy said, dude, like, that's like the best thing ever. Like, I can't believe that you stopped and did. And so, and I started I started crying. Wow! I started crying, and then this guy was crying with me, and and I'm like, I'm, I'm, I felt. I said, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have nothing to give you. He wow. said, Man, you gave me everything. You gave me wow. everything. Thank you for stopping. That's beautiful. I had a an encounter similar to that where I had no cash on me, but there was a, a guy at the corner, and I rolled my window down, and I said, I, I'm so sorry that I don't really have anything on me that I can give you, but I just wanted to say hi. And he said, you gave me eye contact. Nobody gives me eye contact. Like you made me feel like I mattered. So I know 
to some degree what you were talking about. I, I hear that too frequently yeah. from people that I serve in the homeless community that they say, do you know what it feels like to go through the entire day with people trying not to look at you? Oh, I mean, it's like, the, it's like the, it's the most common and simplest form of humanity is just to exchange eye contact with another person to give them that level of kind of respect that you're willing to yeah. engage in that level of a relationship with them. And, and most of the time we're not. You know, one of the things that strikes me, Bill, about this conversation is that inevitably we'll have callers that will text in and, um, and might say, well, I'm not comfortable dealing with panhandlers, and I don't want to roll my window down, and I don't feel safe. And so I hear that, that a lot, but, but don't miss the theme in this is inconvenience. These are examples of being inconvenienced, they're certainly, and, they're, and they're mine because I, I live and work in that community, and, and you've had some examples of that too. But there's, I'm sure there's many other times that we've been asked to step up and step into a situation, and frankly, we haven't done it. I haven't done it too many times to count. Because it's inconvenient for mm. me. Yeah, good point. Richard Barr is my guest. We are going to take a break and come back if you have a question or comment. Uh, if you've had questions about how do I best interact with people who are asking for things on the street or in a place where I don't feel safe or I don't know what to do or can you give me some counsel as to best love people in need? You can text the question to 877 877- Nine three three two four eight four. Again, eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. I hope you do text a question. Uh, Richard Barr, his spells his last name B A H R, and you can find him at richardbarr.com. We'll be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting myfaithradio.com. So glad to have Richard Barr with me in studio. Richard Barr is not only a friend, but really quite an amazing ministry and God has really taken his life through a very interesting journey. So, uh, Richard, I want to talk about your ministry to people who are homeless with this breakfast. You got up at three forty-five this morning. I did. So again, you're interrupting my nap. I get that. I'm very respectful of that. So, uh, let's, uh, share with everyone how this came about and how long you've been doing this and what it's like to be serving breakfast five days a week. I know you, it's not you personally five days a week, but... Uh, it's uh, 365 days a year. Yes. It's every every day. Yes. Yeah. I, I, of course I meant that. Yeah, yeah, you meant that. Yeah. I meant that. Yeah, yeah. every single day. Yep. Yeah. yeah, we don't take any days off. Um, so my friend Dave and I were in a Bible study together. He began uh, cooking and serving some oatmeal and grits and some coffee, a real simple breakfast, and serving out of the back of his van alone on Curry Avenue in front of the Salvation Army Harbor Light in Minneapolis, again, which is the context of where I, I'm from. And as we found out about it in our men's ministry, <clears throat> there were several of us that just said we'd like to help Dave, and so to step up and step into that and to take on days so that Dave didn't serve every single day. Dave, Dave was not asking for help. Dave, really, the Holy Spirit had prompted him, like, this is something I need to do, and there's a bigger backstory to that. But uh, I, I love Dave. He's a dear friend of mine, and... Um, so that's really how it began about 15 years ago. And so it's, it's, 
it since has been adopted by the church that we both worship so nice. at so that we've got a budget and so we've got 30 some volunteers wow. split into seven different teams each team serving a day of the week wow that is such a great story that is a great story it, but it's a ministry of inconvenience that was really oh, the theme yeah. from before the break right yeah. was that uh, so I got up at 3.45, which isn't my normal wake-up time. It would be somewhat later than that. And so, really? Four? Uh, yeah, probably 5.30, <laughs> actually, probably. Okay. But but anyway, so yeah, for every single volunteer that we have uh, that serves faithfully every single week, it's an, it's an inconvenient thing for them that particular day. They got to get up terribly early, drive downtown. We cook and serve and prep. Uh, it takes 2.4 hours. And so if you think of tithing of your time, giving 10% of your day back, that would be... Quick math lesson, 24 times 10%. I always told there was going to be no math. Yeah. 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 So 2.4 ministries. That's where the name, that's the name that Dave gave it. And that's what's kind of stuck. So. Oh, I like that. We call ourselves 2.4 ministries. Oh, I really like that. I think of our time. So I tithe yeah. of my time today. So you, there, there are days, of course, over the 15 years you've been doing this, that you get up and it's uh, eight below zero because we live in Minnesota and there's, you know, eight inches of snow and it's not. There's a double layer of inconvenience. Yeah, we continue to we continue to serve. Yeah, yeah. All right. Some questions have, have come in for Richard Barr, my guest. Uh, how do you learn to differentiate between those who are truly homeless and in need, and those who are being duplicitous in order to get money for their own purposes and not needs? Yeah, great. It's a it's a very valid uh, question, not an uncommon question, um, and there isn't a simple answer. To that, I I guess when I am approached by somebody, so there are certain practices that I tend not to do or tend to do, um, and part of it is is that we've got a duty to not uh, cause another person to sin and to unduly tempt them to make a bad decision. So, for instance, the use of cash by me to somebody in need is uh, awfully rare. Not never, but it's awfully rare. So I'll oftentimes try to find other ways to meet somebody's specific need other than using cash. And the thing is, is that there could be, and there certainly are people that have taken advantage of me. But I guess the question is, is that who's that really on? Is that on them or is that on me? I mean, it's to me, that's really the business that they need to do with God. If I'm in my heart really trying to be faithful and step up and step into what I perceive as a specific need by somebody I mean, I've answered the call that I've been provided, and um, and what that person does with that, that becomes there. So, for instance, I use gift cards a lot. Mm-hmm. So I'll use gift cards with panhandlers. I also happen to know that the street value of a gift card is 50 cents on the dollar. Okay. I already know that. I know yep. you can trade a $5 card for two cigarettes. and I mean, So I know the currency that can <laughs> be used for the gift cards. So the gift card, to me, is one way. It's one step removed from the cash that I'm making an additional effort. I'm meeting, I'm going more than halfway to try to keep that person accountable to do the right thing with that, you know, fast food gift card. If they choose to then take that and convert that to something that it wasn't the use that I intended, I, I guess I feel like that's, uh, that's between them and God. It's not between me and them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a supply of Aldi gift cards in my car. I'm a woman, but I have never had a person make me feel unsafe. Well, God bless you, ma'am. I mean, I think that that's often uh, often the case. Uh, and Bill, you know, as when I've been on the show before, we'll have callers call in uh, ladies, and many of them will say, you know, I don't want to roll my window down. What would you suggest? 
And I, I think, and, and it's not even uh, a male or female thing. I think if you feel unsafe, you know, you, you, you shouldn't be stepping into something, I think, where you feel unsafe necessarily. I think it's a very personal decision. And, and this dear lady feels comfortable doing that. And, and I think that Aldi gift card's a brilliant idea. Mm-hmm. I think, honestly, they can go get some groceries or fresh food or whatever. Yeah. Um, but not everybody's going to be willing to do that. But I think when they do, I think that's great. Yeah. And if you were to roll your window down, you could roll it down two inches, can't you? Absolutely. I mean, and, and just be sure that you're very safe in that environment. So I'll give a tip to the lady with the Aldi gift card. So okay. I buy some message message tracks that I actually tape my gift cards to that I give out. I like. And so the little the little line that I give that usually gets a little bit of a chuckle is I'll hand them the gift card taped to the track, and I'll say, hey, here's five bucks on here for named store, right? Sure. And I'll say, and while you're enjoying that, you can read a little message from my boss. And then they look at the track, and then they uh, kind of a smile lights up. So it's just an additional way to kind of connect with somebody yeah. where they go, oh, okay, I get it. He's a Christian. Well, and and here's somebody trying to be friendly with me, yeah. Versus treat me like I'm an outcast, right? It, it's it's a very cute way to do it. That's I my, like that. That's my always line. Yeah, I like that, Richard Barr. All right, another question: What kind of things do you keep in your car to, to give to the panhandlers? I go to a church in the Midway, and there are always people there. And I used to carry stuff, but what do they need the most? I remember at Joyful Noise, we packed backpacks to hand out, and my daughter and I did that, and I'd like to do some more of that, especially as I leave church. It's a little scary, though, as a single white female. Yeah, again, it's the safe factor thing. Um, Backpacks are a common need. Um, Many people that are living in the homeless community, they're required to carry everything that they own, so having a backpack is essential. What do I carry in my vehicle? Um, I will carry non-perishable food items, you know, like uh, granola bars or things like that, snacky things. Not something that's real hard. I mean, not to be diminishing, but uh, lots of people, maybe that might be paneling, might have bad teeth, you know, so handing out apples or things like that might sure. perhaps be a bad idea. So I hand out soft, non-perishable food um, socks. I give, out, I give out lots and lots and lots of socks. Socks. I mean, your feet are your primary mode of transportation. Yeah. You, got, you got to take care of your feet. And if you don't have access to good hygiene products and showers a lot, probably the best thing you can do to take care of your feet is to take those nasty socks off and, and put some put fresh, fresh socks, socks. on. Yeah. yeah, great point. Yeah. Richard Barr is my guest. We're going to take a little break. And when we come back, if you have questions about what it is like when you have your own concerns dealing with people who are soliciting your uh, your attention at corners and they would like money and they've got signs up and they certainly seem desperate and what do you do and what's the best approach to take? Uh, Richard Barr is uh, not only an author of several books. Uh, Richard, your your last book was called Those People. Those People. Those People. And that's what a lot of times people will make a reference to homeless as those people. And they're created in the image of God. My lovely wife came up with that title. I like that. All right. So 877-933-2484 if you have a question or comment. Again, 877-933-2484. And I want you to spend time in God's presence every day. Here's a good way to do it. Sign up for the Faith Radio Verse of the Day email. It's a beautiful scripture graphic, and that's sent right to your email inbox. You can sign up at myfaithradio.com. You can do it today. Be right back.
It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. What's for dinner? It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. Welcome to the show. Richard Barr is my guest. He's got an incredible homeless minister. Well, ministering to people who are homeless and caring for the people who live on the margins. And he's got a tremendous heart, a boldness for Jesus, and a desire to uh, reach as many people as he can. And here's a quick question, Richard, then I want to get to an, another topic. But we, uh, I just got this text. Uh, I heard that there's people on the corners with signs that they were part of an, an organized like cartel and you have to pay to get that spot on the corner and or or there's these people are human trafficked and they make signs in a warehouse. Make sure you always mention God. And, you know, what's the truth of that? Not sure if the listener is referring to there was a program done by one of these kind of real live news show things uh, like Dateline-ish sort okay. of a thing. Uh, they were showing something that had gone on in Las Vegas. I had been in Las Vegas uh, right before that show aired. I actually happened to encounter the very same thing that this caller's talking about, and so it was exposed by that program uh, that there was an organization behind sending sending these panellers. They all lived in one house, and then they were they were taking the money off the top or whatever. So uh, the question is, is that how prevalent is that compared to the total mass of people that might be panhandling? And it just strikes me. With all of the panhandlers that I even personally know and encounter in the city that I live in, it just seems to me that that's a, it, it's a way small single-digit percentage that mm-hmm. that's likely the case. Yeah. Richard, in your years of encountering and approaching people who are in homelessness, uh, tell me the demographics. How many are like on the margins because you can clearly see they've got a drug issue or a mental health issue? And then what about the person who was working as a lawyer and now they're homeless? So the word that I have, I guess, uh, I use probably most that I recognize in people that are homeless is broken. And and to some degree, as people of faith, we've all experienced some brokenness, and many of our testimonies include a brokenness, you know, part of our life. And so these are people that have experienced significant brokenness, and so that might be mental health, it might be other form of trauma, that's occurred in their life or a sense of loss, um, but there's a brokenness. And so what I think really the answer becomes is uh, how is it that, I mean, the, the God that we serve is a God of restoration. He's, and, and, and the end story in Revelation is really about a restoration of this world and a restoration of our bodies and the way that um, God originally imagined those things. And so, that's what I really think is the answer to that is that as we encounter broken people, what are the steps that we can do? What role can we play in restoration uh, for that person so that they become uh, closer and closer to the image of who Jesus is? Mm-hmm. It seems that there's incremental steps that often happens in somebody's, somebody's life and all of a sudden they're homeless because I've talked to people in prison and I said, what are you doing here? <laughs> they seem like the most normal person ever. Yeah. And they said, I made a series of one small bad decision after another. Yeah. Some of the people that I serve with when we first started doing this some years ago, we talked about uh, how many, how many, like how many bad things would have to happen to you for you to end up 
being on the other side of the serving table receiving the cereal rather as a, than as a homeless giving person. it as a homeless person. Yeah. And uh, we usually came up with about three. What are they? They would be, you know, loss of job. Big one. Loss of job, so therefore loss of income. If you were kicked out of your residence where you lived, whether you had a spouse and, and he or she kicked you out or or you were evicted from your apartment or wherever, but you lost your housing. And thirdly, if you didn't have uh, another person or people in your life, probably a family member, that would be on a long-term basis willing to actually take you in. Mm-hmm. Because many of the homeless people that I know, I mean, before I meet them in the shelter, there's been a, a long time that they've been couch surfing, they've been living in cars, maybe camping in the woods, living uh, with family members, and, and they kind of end up using up all of their credits that they've yeah. built in their life, and then they're, they're finally completely on their own. Mm-hmm. During the break, Richard pulled out his list of people that he prayed for, and guess what? I'm on his list, so I appreciate that very much. And we have a tendency of saying, hey, I'll pray for you, and I hope that we do it all the time. Maybe it's easier to say, and then our brain goes, ooh, I forgot to pray for so-and-so. But when you write it down and review the names on the list, you're going to be more intentional about praying. Now, when you encounter someone, Richard, do you, how do you say, I want to pray for you? Yeah, so back to the list thing for a moment That that's... Um I don't expect everybody to probably be maybe as structured as I try to lead my life, and so that's that's a maybe a different thing. But what you just asked about is, uh, I mean, be honest with yourself, listener. How many times has somebody laid something out before you, some sort of a dilemma, a challenge, a hurt, a hang-up, and you say, oh, well, I'll pray for you, and then it ends there. I mean, it, 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 we have good intention probably in that moment, but the reality is is that it's just not very sticky. We don't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, it just happened. And I can only say for myself, it's happened a ton, too many times for me to count. So several years ago, I, I altered that and changed that into two specific questions. And the first question is, and by the way, I've used this these two questions with people in, in all walks of life. So it's not just exclusively to people living on the margins, but... When somebody, when I encounter somebody with some sort of a, a hurt or a dilemma or some sort of a challenge where they want to, they seem like they want to kind of bear their heart, mm-hmm. I'll ask them, well, if you could say anything to God right now, what would that be? Great question. And, and inevitably they'll say, well, I'll, I would, I would want to ask for healing in that person's life, or I would want to ask for a new, a new job for me, or I would want to ask for whatever. And then the second question is, is that, you know, we could actually pray that we could actually bring that before God right now together. Would you like to do that? And I'm like a, batting a thousand percent on that, <laughs> or at least the Holy Spirit is batting yeah. a thousand percent on that. Like actually, that. It's, 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 it seems to be, there's something about that invitation to prayer where, where the person is first frankly, I already revealed it to God and to another person, what the hurt is and what the issue is. So they've already said it aloud. And then to just simply say, we could do that right now if you like. Um, it seems like they've already been vulnerable enough maybe to share that moment already, to share the issue so that they're willing to go to the next step rather than being that creepy person who wants to lay their hands on them and say, well, let's pray about this right now. Because I've been that person. I've done that and I've had that done to me and... I don't know. In the it done by 
the wrong person in the right wrong context, it can feel a little weird sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know? Richard, no, when you uh, asked that first question again, uh, if you could, if you could ask God anything, phrase that again for me. You can ask God anything you want to. What would that be? Anything you want, what would it be? I'm going to ask anyone who wants to participate right now. If you could ask God anything you want, what would it be? Text it over because Richard and I would love to pray for whoever joins in on this uh, discussion. 877-933-2484. 877-933-2484. If you could ask God anything you want right now, what would it be? All right. Again, eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. We just like do church right now, Richard. We could. I like this. Why not? Yeah, because <laughs> it's a great question, and it doesn't seem that anybody is reluctant to give you an answer. If you could ask God for anything right now, what would it be? Who doesn't want to participate in that? Uh, so far, a lot of people have. Yeah, yeah. It's a great substitute for "I'll pray for you." Um which can seem a little cliche at times, unless you really do it, then that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. And I think just making that, <clears throat> doing it in the moment, and and most of us have already thought of that, you know, that I should really pray in the moment. But frankly, even as the person uh, that might be the prayer, it can be a little awkward as well, right? But th- for me, this is a totally comfortable place to go. I mean, if 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 this other person has already bared their heart to me, if they're willing to tell me, what what's going on in their life? They're willing to go that far with me. It's it's a very small step for me to offer to pray for them at that point. I mm-hmm. mean, they've already they've already opened themselves up to me. Hmm. Uh, will my family ever get saved? Was my dad saved when he passed? Those are huge questions. <sighs> yeah. So I know. You know, I have those thoughts with family members of my own. Yeah. Um, I would ask God to break down the barriers that are keeping my three daughters from Him. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of a lot of deep pain with family members that have become prodigals and people that have stepped away from their faith. And it's it's very concerning. I've got four adult children, and it's very concerning as a as a father where your children's faith, where my children's faith might be. Um, and I actually decided to, and I've I've decided that uh, at first my wife and I have talked about well, you know, we planted the. F- seeds of faith in their heart, and uh, it's going to be up to somebody else probably to convince them to mm-hmm. follow Jesus at this point. And I decided earlier this year that that wasn't good enough. Oh, I like. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know if any of them are listening. But, um, family so, members? <laughs> my fam- well, yeah. my, my children. Okay. I think my aunt in Texas is probably nice. listening. She loves What's listening her name? to your show. Ava. Hey, Ava. Ava. Thanks for listening. Yeah, so um, what I decided to do is I decided to send... Uh, my children and their partners uh, text every Monday morning, every Monday morning. And uh, a lot of times it's faith-based stuff. It might be a blog that I've written. It might be, but it's also other things. It might be just inspirational or positive. So I try to mix. So again, I don't want to be like the creepy Christian dad guy necessarily, Mm -hmm. but I intersperse other things from other like important people that might be, but I also mix in specific things about Jesus and about uh, God and about faith and, and prayer mm-hmm. in there as well. So I just, I want them to know that I think about them, I care about them, and, and I want to continue to encourage them. Mm-hmm. Here's a one-word uh, question. Why? That's a big one. Here's another one. When, my, when will my family's heart change from stone to flesh? <sighs> Full physical healing and restoration for a relationship that has become painful and won't share. 
Um, I would actually pray for the international community at the University of Madison that the people are working with right now will come to Christ. This is a person with a big picture. A yeah, big, no a big, kidding. Big desire to no have kidding. more than one person that they know, but an entire community of people come to know uh, Jesus. Yeah. That's an evangelist heart. I like that. I do too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for all of those uh, questions, man. Yeah. It's heartbreaking because we all have someone in our circle of influence, people we love, people we care about, who we kind of feel are, are rejecting faith. They're just not on board. But Bill, that was me. Okay. And at one point in life, that was probably you. Well, I got saved when I was 12, so I wasn't. Okay. When you were 11. <laughs> when I was 11. Yeah. So, um, Mom, I'm not going to clean my room. I'm going to watch Batman. Yeah, there you right. Go. Yeah. I was rebellious. Yeah. I mean, um, I've actually gone back in my life and I've reconnected with people that I know that faithfully prayed for me and cared for me and loved me even while I was in my mess and just encouraged them not, not to say, hey, look at me, but to encourage them to say thank you mm-hmm. and to say, hey, keep doing what you're doing because, you know, I just want you to know that it mattered. It mattered to me. Matter a lot in my life. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be preaching at one of the, one of the, one of them became a pastor. I'm going to be preaching at his church this fall. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's great. Uh, pray that all the terrorists or potential mass shooters would be delivered from rage, fear, and realize that the wrath of man does not bring about the righteousness of God. They're deep thinkers. Those are big visions. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're going to ask God one thing, that would be what He would ask. One thing. Yeah. That's beautiful. It is. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Richard Barr's my guest. We're going to take a short break and come back. If you could ask God anything, what what would it be? 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. We want to pray as well because we, we want, we want you to uh, know that we care and love and love you. We'll be right back. Giveaway. I don't know if, the, if that's three words or three syllables. I'm not sure it matters. What really matters is we are giving away 100 copies of Susie Larson's new book, Closer Than Your Next Breath, Where is God When You Need Him Most? If you have ever wondered about hearing the voice of God or is feeling good the same as feeling God? Is, is there anything I can do when God seems silent? All of that is covered in Susie's new book. And if you want to get in on the drawing, you can enter to win your copy now. You can do it at myfaithradio.com. Thanks for listening to the podcast and supporting Faith Radio. My guest is Richard Barr, richardbarr.com. You can learn more about him and the books he's written and the ministry he does. And he's just an inspiration. B-A-H-R is how he spells his last name, Richard Barr. So, uh, Rich, here's a couple others that have come in. I I want our son healed from GSD type 1B, which is, I think it's a rare genetic disease where your body can't digest glycogen or something. Sounds terrible. Just can't imagine what that... How much that young person, oh, man, young yeah. man must suffer yeah. with that? Oh, boy. Uh, it, it overshadows all we do. My wife had greater faith for healing, so maybe I need to change too. Um, I pray uh, for the Lord to make the gospel powerful in my weak mouth. Mm. There's another one. I love that. Yeah. 
I need prayer because my wife left me and I don't understand why and she won't communicate with me and I want to be reunited with her and be a testimony of a blessed Christian marriage that overcame this. Human wisdom says it will never happen, but I believe God does miracles. He does indeed. Whoa! If you could ask God for anything, this is what's on people's hearts. This is powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. Uh, I lost my leg from an infection. I would like my leg back. Right. No. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah, that's... Yeah, that's difficult. I mean, that's... What a loss, you know? Yeah. Um, so this... This is a... I need to get this refreshed here. Let's see. I I asked God that all the people who are looking for him would find him. Hmm. Now, that's a nice theme that's running through today's text. There's a lot of lost people who need to be found. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and certainly our hearts go out additionally to people that we love, that mm-hmm. we want them to love Jesus. Yeah. Like, like you know, we do. I've been a believer uh, for a long time, but still can't wrap my head around why God doesn't stop the abuse of innocent children. Yeah, that's a that's a deep question, and I would probably reorient that. You know, I, I don't know that God, I would tend that God doesn't abuse them. The, the question might be, why does he stand aside in that moment and permit that to happen? And that goes back to that, the one caller's question of why. I mean, you could ask why with just about every single one of yeah, these things, could. couldn't we? Yeah, yep. Yeah. The gift of the tongue to persuade anyone I speak to to know Jesus as their Savior. Wow, bold. Yeah. Just to be bold. Yeah. You know, trust God for the words. Just open your mouth, right? Suit up and show up. <laughs> and be willing to just open your mouth and let let the Holy Spirit speak the through Holy you. Holy Spirit speak, yeah. yeah. That's oftentimes just half the battle is is just starting the conversation. It is, yeah. There's a great book about that, by the way. Um, in, in a full disclosure, I wrote the study guide for it. It's okay. called Speaking of Jesus, and the subtitle is The Art of Not Evangelism. Huh. Okay. That subtitle gets you to buy the book, and it got me to buy the book, and, and I connected with the author, Carl Medeiros. He lives in Colorado, and uh, and I developed a group study guide for that in cooperation with him. And so um, it's really helped me reorient the way that I talk about what I believe. So mm-hmm. that might be maybe that listener would be willing to look that book up and it might create some boldness to be able to some new tools. In the yeah, book, you know? I like that. The why question was followed up with something you said, which was that could be for every one of the texts that came in and comment is exactly my list of whys would be exhaustive. How about this one? I would ask God, can I come home now? Just, um, that's, I, I don't know what's I just, behind that. I was just thinking what's behind that. There could be a terminal illness. There could be all kinds of, uh, depression, sadness. Yeah. It could be desperation. Um, so. Oh, dear with, listener. Yeah. We, we care deeply about your heart right now in your condition and what you're... Let's pray right now, Richard. Would you pray? Yeah, right. Father God, um, thank you for the day that you've given us and for this platform to be able to connect with so many people, so many people in so many places. That last, um, that last question has really hit me hard. Um, why can't I go home now? Um, and certainly uh, that listener holds that hope that he or she will find a home with you, Jesus, uh, You promise, a place that you promised. 
And um, I just think about what the Apostle Paul said. He said, you know, it'd be, it'd be better for me to go home, but it's better for you if I stay. And uh, I just wonder who in that listener's life that he or she could be an inspiration to, that he or she could guide, say the right words to lead one more person to join them in your kingdom and who that might be. I would challenge that listener maybe to think about that. And I would also ask for, um, for relief from whatever it is that that person might be afflicted with. Paul's another great example of how he was afflicted. And even though the Holy Spirit gave him power to heal other people, um, God said no to him three times for the affliction that he carried and said that um, God said, my power is perfected in your weakness. And you sound like you're in a diminished and perhaps maybe a weakened state. And so I might ask, how is God made powerful in your weakness? How that might be, Lord? Mm. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Richard Barr is my guest. Richard, I, I heard or I read in a book, I think it was Pastor Tim Keller that was saying <clears throat> that when you say to the Lord, I'm going to obey your word, whether I fully understand it or not, or whether I like what I'm reading or not. Right? Keller would say something like that. Yeah, loved him, Keller. And then yeah. he also said that I will accept what you bring into my life, whether I like it or not. He goes, then you know you're in the dance with God. Yeah, kind of. it circles back to that inconvenient thing, doesn't it? It in, does. In, inconvenience would be uh, probably uh, the smallest version of what you're describing there, where we maybe don't like what God's brought into our life, just like that last caller where um, that person might be suffering with, well, we can only imagine what's going on behind that question, right? Right. Um, but it certainly must be something, seems to be something not pleasant. It might have taken everything he or she had to type out that text because of the despair. I don't know. That's why the only thing we can do is what we did, and that's pray. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. When you get alone with God, I, th I think those are sometimes your most profound thoughts you're going to have. When you're alone with God, what are what do you think? What are your thoughts? Well, um, are, are not they, not are they, to are they petitionary? Are they? I'm going to stand in awe of who you are, or now that I'm alone with you, Lord. Oh, do I have a list of things I need? I'm going to ask you for. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of the version of uh, you know the the vending machine God, right? Sure. So you know, quid pro quo, we stick something in and we get something out yeah. of equal value. And um, uh, I I don't believe that that's the way it works. It's certainly not the way that my faith works. Um, the the book that I wrote previous to those people, the Amazed book, Amazed, uh, Why the Humanity of Jesus Matters, that uh, I wrote that book for me because it was my examination of trying to get to know Jesus better. So you ask what I do. And so I spent my time alone with God for two solid years reading the Gospels over and over and over. And the result of that was the recognition that Jesus not only is God, as I already believed, and I knew he was a man, but I didn't realize the manness, the humanity, uh, that Jesus was a dude, you know, yeah. that he really, and, and, and it, and it helped me connect to him in a really a new and a unique and a special and a deeper way than I had before. And I wanted to share that with other people. Mm -hmm. I had an inconvenience story that, you know, with you in my green room, I'm thinking this came to my mind. I thought, well, I don't know if I should share it, but I was coming out of a, a, a speaking, uh, event I was doing and, I encountered 
a guy on the street who was sitting there with a little suitcase. And I said, hey, what's up? He goes, um, I'm, I don't know where I'm going tonight. I'm just homeless. And I said, oh, I had a nice chat with him. And I said, well, well what, what are you in need of right now? He said, well, I'm not in the right mind because I'm out of my depression meds and I haven't eaten in a couple of days. So yeah, I'm, I'm in tough shape. I said, well, let's see what we can do. I was on my way to my nephew's bridal shower. Okay. A really happy family event. So you're the least popular uncle. I was that night. No, <laughs> but I said, uh, well, let's, let's see if we can't get some food in your belly. And, and do you, do you have your prescription with you? And could we get it refilled? He goes, I, I have it with me, but I don't have any money. I said, well, let's figure out a way just to get you a, a, a short-term supply of, of meds just to get you back on track until something else can help happen. So we went to the pharmacy. We got his, got his prescription filled for a couple of weeks or I can't remember what it was. And then we went to the subway shop and got some food and he's sitting in my car eating a sandwich like a kid would who hadn't eaten in two days. And he starts crying. And I thought, uh-oh, uh, wh- what's up? And he said, he said through his tears, no one has ever been this nice to me. <laughs> and I, I'm thinking, well, um, okay. How sad is that? It's so sad. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. he was in a, a very tough place. And I, I was very, let's just say inconvenienced. And I was able to find a, an uncle that uh, lived about 45 minutes away. I drove him there and I ended up getting home about 930 that night. I missed the whole party. <laughs> beautifully, beautifully inconvenient. But what a what a beautiful night it was for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Indeed, thank you for that. Yeah, Richard Barr, thank you so much for being here. I always like seeing you and talking to you. And you can learn more about Richard at richardbarr.com, B A H R. Powerful ministry, good books, good thinker, great prayer warrior, all of the above. It's nice to have you here. Thank you, Bill. All right, we'll take a break. Guess what? Who's up next? Carmen LeBurge joining me. Oh, we're going to have fun. Don't go anywhere. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.